in this case, the Houston Community College Board purely issued a verbal censure, did not uh, sanction in any other way the uh, trustee. So um, a word to the wise, we have a very strong First Amendment in this country, which allows people their freedom to speak. So when you're considering criticizing or otherwise sanctioning uh, a board member for their speech, be very careful. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Kaylee Woods. On this episode of In the Know, ACCT's Andy Lane sits down with career lawyer Ira Shepard to discuss the Supreme Court's ruling in the Houston Community College System versus Wilson case. With very little precedent for cases dealing with the function of a community college board, we'll pinpoint the ruling's significance and how it may affect board member relations moving forward. Hello, I'm Andy Lane, Association Counsel at ACCT. Hi, I'm Iris Shepard. I'm Outside General Counsel to ACCT and a member of the law firm of Saul Ewing uh, in their Washington, D.C. office. Please understand that this is not legal advice. It is for educational purposes only. Please consult your local legal counsel before acting on First Amendment issues. Ira, always good to, to talk with you. Um, today, we are going to be doing a deep dive uh, into uh, a 2022 Supreme Court First Amendment case called Houston Community College System versus Wilson. And uh, Ira, I know you've uh, been tracking this case for some time because uh, I feel like we've discussed this uh, the past several uh, lawyers roundtable uh, meetings that we've had at uh, different ACCT events. So um, that's a very uh, significant case. Um, so kind of uh, to start us off, um, thought we could talk about, you know, the background of the case and, and how the situation ended up be before the Supreme Court in the first place. Sure. Uh, uh the most significant part of the case is that it actually involves the day-to-day functioning of a community college board. Um, in fact, I frankly think it's the first time the Supreme Court of the United States has ever gotten into the weeds of how community college boards function. Um, and uh, in this case, a uh, very interesting case, um, it involved the Houston Community College and a uh, a board member uh, uh, by the name of Mr. Wilson. And uh, what happened was that uh, in the Supreme Court's words, uh, Mr. Wilson and the other uh, board members had a kind of, quote, stormy relationship. Uh, he was very vocal in his concern and criticism of certain actions of the board. And um, uh, the relationship continued to be very contentious. Uh, and at one point, uh, the board uh, decided to vote a verbal uh, uh, censure of Mr. Wilson regarding his continuing conduct and criticizing the board in the college. Well, Mr. Wilson uh, uh, decided that he would sue the, uh, the uh, uh, board, claiming that the um, censure was a violation of his First Amendment rights to speak his piece. Um, the interesting part of the case was that um, uh, it, uh, it's gone both ways. Uh, he filed uh, his complaint in, um, in federal district court in Texas, and uh, the trial judge dismissed the case uh, on summary judgment, uh, uh, the motion uh, filed by the uh, community college and the board 
claiming that he did not have a First Amendment right here uh, and that um, uh, he, he did not have a right to sue. The uh, federal district court judge cited um, one of the other very few community college cases. Uh, it was a 20-year-old case decided in uh, federal court and the Court of Appeals out in the West. It involved Laramie Community College in Wyoming. And the case was uh, Phelan versus a Laramie Community College. In that case, very similarly, um, uh, a, a trustee uh, by the name of Fallon had um, been involved uh, in a contentious situation with the board and had uh, taken out an ad uh, in the local newspaper uh, 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 to the uh, uh, point um, uh, criticizing the uh, community college board of its actions regarding uh, waste of, of funds, et cetera, et cetera. The board uh, censured that person uh, for her conduct as, as she actually voted uh, in favor of all of the, the, uh, the expenditures in the past and, uh, and, and was fairly upset. Uh, the uh, Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit affirmed the community college's right to censure a, uh, a, a board member for activity that they felt uh, was inappropriate uh, and that it was not a violation of the First Amendment uh, to do so. Well, the, the court in uh, Texas cited that case as the only real precedent for this matter and dismissed the case. It went on up to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers Texas, and the Fifth Circuit Appeal, uh, Court of Appeals disagreed with both the trial judge and uh, um, uh, the uh, Court of Appeals uh, in the case involving Laramie Community College and said that Mr. Wilson had a First Amendment right to sue the uh, uh, college and the uh, Board of Trustees for alleged violation of his First Amendment right to speak. Um, the Supreme Court actually granted uh, certiorari, which is a Latin term for we will hear the case, um, and granted cert, it's called cert among lawyers, uh, in the case, uh, because there was a split in circuits. In other words, one circuit, the Fifth Circuit, ruled that a trustee has a First Amendment right to sue a community college, and the, 11th, uh, the 10th Circuit ruled that a trustee does not have a right to sue a community college for First Amendment uh, violations as, as resulting from a censure. So that's the background of the case. The most interesting part, uh, and I'll uh, turn it back to you, Andy, for your comments, but the most interesting part of the case is that the Supreme Court, which everyone knows is highly divided on many issues, um, uh, decided this case in the unanimous fashion. They actually all agreed to side with the 11th Circuit, uh, I'm sorry, the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals in ruling that Mr. Wilson did not have a First Amendment right to sue the board resulting from its censure of him. And the, the, the actual reasoning for the case is terribly interesting. The First Amendment uh, uh, ruled and, and interpreted by the Supreme Court was that neither side can shut down the other's speech simply by a verbal comment. Meaning Mr. Wilson had the right to criticize the board all he wanted. You know, he had a First Amendment right to do that. And so did the board have a First Amendment right to criticize him for his criticism. So they ruled that a purely uh, a verbal censure, understand that the board did not uh, fine him, 
did not uh, uh, levy any sanctions against him. It just merely stated uh, verbally that it disagreed with his conduct and censured him uh, in a verbal uh, censure. Um, so on that basis, the Supreme Court underlined the fact that it's a very limited decision that neither side can, sh uh, can um, uh, uh, shut up the other by way of verbal comments. Both sides have the right to speak. Um, again, it underlined the fact that public boards, especially uh, involving uh, individuals who are elected or appointed by public officials, in this case, uh, the Houston uh, Community College Board were all sitting by way of election. Public boards don't have a right to fine or otherwise uh, sanction other duly elected individuals, but they do have a First Amendment right if they choose to censure that person with no other sanctions. And at that point, I'll stop my summary and turn it back to Andy. Yeah, no, that was that was great. I think you captured all the the, the key points there. Um, the other part I thought was interesting in the court's opinion was they and their their holding that they talked about um, the fact that Mr. Wilson, uh, being an elected official, um, I think they used the phrase "shoulder a certain degree amount of criticism." So essentially saying that if you are in this type of position, um, you're expected to keep exercising your free speech rights, even if you are criticized, you know, by your by your fellow board members. Um, so I thought that right. was an interesting aspect. That was an interesting comment because one of the allegations that uh, Mr. Wilson raised was that the censure chilled his First Amendment rights in the future. In other words, because the board censured him, it it acted as a deterrent to his um, free speech rights or exercise of free speech rights in the future. And what the Supreme Court, as you point out, Andy, ruled was that uh, Mr. Wilson really did, it wasn't chilled. I mean, nothing stopped him from exercising his free speech rights. Um, uh, uh, so, um, you know, they, they did recognize, as is common in, in uh, public official cases, that uh, public officials have thick skin and they can take this stuff as long as they're, they're not, you know, put in jail or fined or otherwise sanctioned. Right. Uh, they, 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 they can they can take criticism and they make uh, just like the Energizer Bunny. They take the criticism and then they keep on punching. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting, too. They even talked about the fact that um, Mr. Wilson um, only had a problem with the censure and not with a earlier reprimand by the board. So they uh, said it, it, you know, it shouldn't matter how that criticism is is packaged, whether it's a censure or you know a lighter kind of reprimand. Um, right. Good point. And then in going into um, the justification, I know Ira you did a pretty good job of uh, laying out why the court ruled the way that it's did, but I thought it was really fascinating the historical precedent that they relied on. I mean, they went back to essentially colonial times. They went back to, you know, the 1700s, early 1800s. They talked about the first uh, censure in the U.S. Senate in 1811 um, due to a member reading aloud a, a letter by President Jefferson. Um, and then they noted that uh, censures are even more common, you know, at the state and local levels than the federal level. Um, so I thought the uh, the historical precedent there was was pretty fascinating that they went into. Yeah, yeah. And historically, um, of course, they couldn't go ba back past 20 years regarding community colleges. 
uh, because there, <laughs> there hadn't been a case prior to 20 years. But as an interesting historical note, um, uh, ACCT was actually involved in that um, case 20 years ago, the Laramie case. Uh, ACCT did file a, an amicus brief with the Tenth Circuit, which was cited in that decision. And essentially the position taken by ACCT was at the time that every trustee uh, has a fiduciary obligation to express their thoughts no matter what and argue their um, uh, well-considered uh, uh, feelings regarding every issue and that every trustee has a right to speak. Uh, nonetheless, um, at the time in the Laramie case, um, uh, a trustee then after a duly elected vote does have the right, uh, has the obligation to support the community college generally. And, and that case was a little different than um, the, the Wilson case because what, what happened was the uh, trustee there took out an ad in the local newspaper criticizing the board on um, spending issues uh, after actually the trustee did not vote against any of the uh, spending expenditures. Uh, so it actually, actually, in that case was a little easier than the Wilson case because the, the, um, the action was, uh, was, was more than just a, uh, criticism. It was um, actually an affirmative action to take an ad in the local newspaper and suggest that people uh, not uh, approve the millage uh, increase in millage tax that was uh, funding the community college. So that that was an interesting turn there. Um, the Wilson case strictly involved um, uh, uh, repeated criticism of different board members for their their point of view and was more of a pure First Amendment kind of case. Right, right. So yeah, I think we we both kind of touched on, you know, how it's it's pretty significant that the the court ruled on this just being a purely, uh, or the ruling would, was based purely on the verbal censure and not on any other other factors. I think they kind of went out of their way to talk about how under different sets of circumstances, you know, they they could have ruled a, a different way, um, and I I think they even talked about. Um, even a verbal censure in a different context. If it wasn't between, you know, elected official to elected official, if it was the government to employees or just to students, uh, those types of situations, it would be a very different, uh, different case. Right. You raise a good point, Andy, and that that is a, a point that we really should discuss, and that is guidance to boards in the future relating to this case. <clears throat> we underline when you are dealing with the First Amendment, we have the very strong First Amendment in this country, which allows people their freedom to speak. So when you're considering criticizing or otherwise um, uh, sanctioning uh, a board member for their speech, be very careful, because this is a very, very limited decision of the Supreme Court. They, again, they underline the fact that in this case, the Houston Community College Board purely issued a verbal censure, did not uh, sanction in any other way the uh, trustee. So um, a word to the wise, when dealing with these kinds of uh, stormy situations, be careful to consult counsel on the reach of the First Amendment and especially this Supreme Court decision before acting in a negative way toward any member of the board. Um, regarding employees, uh, as you point out, that's a terribly different situation and a, and a much different situation. And, and one, and there's a separate line of cases on 
whether or not employees have a First Amendment right to uh, speak their mind. But nonetheless, uh, when the First Amendment is implicated, it is wise for folks to uh, consult counsel uh, on their actions before following through. Absolutely. And so I know Ira, when we discussed this case at uh, previous community college lawyers roundtables at, at NLS and Congress, I think this is one of the cases that you polled the audience to ask, you know, which way they they thought it was going to go. And I think um, most people thought the case would uh, be handled by the Supreme Court the way that ultimately was, but there were some that thought it might go the other way. You know, what do you think would have happened if the Supreme Court had uh, had ruled in favor of Mr. Wilson instead of the college? Well, very interesting. If the Supreme Court had ruled in favor of Mr. Wilson, or well, it's a two-step process. What what would have happened was that um, they they he would he he would have uh, been given the right to a trial. Then it would have gone to a trial, and then a trial a jury would decide whether or not his First Amendment rights were uh, violated. So. Um, if it had gone the other way, it would have allowed protracted litigation over that issue. Um, one, you know, one doesn't know what the answer is because it never went to a jury trial. Nonetheless, um, it would, it, the, 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 if, if the case had gone the other way, you can rest assured that these matters would be involved in lengthy litigation uh, in the future, as opposed to just a quick motion for summary judgment um, on, on a uh, purely uh, verbal censure. So the Supreme Court did us all a favor, both sides actually, in a sense, in ruling that when, when you're talking about strictly speech matters, verbal matters, the First Amendment protects both sides' rights to speak their, their, uh, uh, their own thoughts. And that is that a trustee does have a right to criticize other trustees if he or she believes those decisions are wrong. Uh, so does the board have a right to criticize the criticizer. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it, as we say, sticks and stones break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Uh, um, now, I, obviously, we're, we're, we're talking about um, uh, uh, verbal comments that are civil. There was no allegation uh, here that uh, the verbal comments were otherwise uncivil. Um, it was it was a it was a solid disagreement among people, and that's mm -hmm. kind of how the Supreme Court unanimously said, "If there's one thing we have in this country, it's the ability to solidly disagree about things." <laughs> yeah, I think they they closed out the opinion by saying, you know, the the solution in this case was, uh, you know, debate and an argument, not litigation, something along those lines. So, yeah. So, uh, closing thoughts on on where we kind of go from from here. It seems like the court basically is reinforcing the established tradition. But you know, any other uh, implications you see for other First Amendment uh, jurisprudence that's out out there, or um, well, I think yeah, out? good point. I th I think it is something that's not going to go away in the sense that. <clears throat> You know, it's funny, I've been practicing law for many years and, you know, I learned the First Amendment in law school and there's never been a time in the last 50 years when the First Amendment hasn't been used more. We are, the, the uh, current uh, society is very uh, debate oriented, uh, argument oriented. People have uh, expressed their views everywhere. Uh, the First Amendment used to be, especially in, high, in the higher education area, one that was the exclusive uh, purview of professors 
who guarded their First Amendment rights to speak about controversial issues. Well, the First Amendment now is everybody's amendment. Um, the cases are there for every every public employee of every every uh, uh, rank uh, of trustees of boards, and I I see the trend not decreasing. So in the foreseeable future, there's going to continue to be more and more First Amendment controversies. So when you're acting as a board, understand the First Amendment is uh, something that the Supreme Court has ruled is not compromising. And individuals have a, have a right to express their First Amendment views. And so does the board. So I think in, in the end, we're kind of where we sh uh, should be. But I do think there will be continuing controversies given the the fact that you know debating issues has become a, a, a cottage industry <clears throat> in America, not only in higher education but in all public uh, settings. And so I think that these matters will continue to be brought before the court. But I think the court has given us good guidance in the sense that they're going to stay out of it. They're going to allow people to debate um, and protect their rights to debate. And that's kind of where we're at, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. All right. Well, thanks very much, Ira, for uh, for taking the time. Well, thank you, Andy. It's always a pleasure. And we'll continue to discuss this at our Community College Lawyers Roundtables that we do twice a year at the NLS and at the uh, uh, Annual Congress. Uh, we have a loyal group of trustees uh, that are lawyers that come. And you don't have to be a lawyer to come to our uh, legal roundtable. In fact, we get some of the greatest comments by non-lawyers. <laughs> it's a good it's a good plug but for the the lawyers that do attend uh, CLE credit is is available